1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I don't know how many of you are listening live, but it's New Year's Eve, so happy New Year to everyone. I wore a sparkly sweater, which I don't know if you can totally tell, and I still have my Christmas decorations up. And of course, the secret to all of this is that I am actually taping this on December 15th. It hasn't been Christmas yet. It hasn't been New Year's Eve yet, but suffice to say that I will be celebrating with all of you on those days and on this evening when this airs. All right, we are going to be talking a little bit later today about New Year's resolutions. We talked about New Year's resolutions as they pertain to finances last week. This week, we're talking about college admissions. So we have some suggestions for you all. Um, We're also going to be hearing two stories from our team this year. We have two members of the team who um, started as traditional college students, but ultimately finished in very non-traditional ways and one of our uh, team members is going to share her story of how she paid for it. Um, But before we get to her, we're going to start today with my colleague, Michelle Clifton, who's going to tell us a little bit more about her journey and what it was like to complete her education as um, more of an adult, non-traditional student. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Beth. Thanks for Uh, having me. Absolutely. And just as some background, For our listeners um, and those of you who are watching the video, Michelle is a former financial aid officer at both Babson College and RISD um, here in Providence. Well, not here. I'm not in Providence, but not very far away. Um, All right. Well, Michelle, let's jump into your story. Um, What what was your journey and and how did you kind of get to the point of going from a traditional student to a non-traditional student? Absolutely.
2: So. All in all, so I enrolled in four different colleges and had three, technically four different majors. So it may have sound like I was a mess. I promise you I wasn't. I just, you know, life just took me on a few different paths and sometimes that's how it works. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So,
2: so I'll try to keep it brief, but I'll kind of give my, my story of how it happened. So I, you know, in high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and I, you know, I remember... Uh, There's a few different things I was thinking of, but by senior year, I was kind of comparing early childhood education or psychology or photography, you know, a little random. But okay. I ended, <laughs> and I, I honestly didn't want to go to college right away, but I kind of just did because that's what everyone else was doing. Sure. So I ended up enrolling at White Pines College, which I guarantee probably no one knows where that is or what that is, but it was a teeny tiny art school. I think there was a hundred students, um, in Chester, New Hampshire. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) tiny. Um, and it was in Chester, New Hampshire, which was actually not too far from where I lived and grew up. So I enrolled there and I commuted there. Um, I, for some reason, I just didn't want to go away to school at that time. So I, um, Not sure what I was thinking about going to an art school because I am not creative. But, you know, (laughs) I do like photography. You know, if it was digital at that time, maybe I would have stuck with it. But I, you know, I just it wasn't for me. So I was only there for one semester. And I, um, you know, I was working part time while I was enrolled full time. But I really I just liked working more. Got it. Um, But while I was there, you know, it was worthwhile because I took an anatomy class, you know, that was required and I loved it. And in the past I had thought about going into nursing, but I didn't think I was someone who could handle it. Um, So I took a break. I'll never forget the day that I told my mom I was not going back to school. You know, I heard the whole, you know, you're never going to go back. You're never going to finish, you know, spiel. Right. And uh, but I did, you know, I took a semester off, I worked full time, and then I went back the next fall, I went to Revier College in Nashua, New Hampshire, but I went part-time evenings um, for nursing. Got it. So I stuck with that for um, a couple years, you know, it was hard, hard to, you know, juggle the two, but, um, and I, you know, I wasn't super motivated with school, but I was doing it. And uh, while I was, uh, while I was um, working full time, I found out about a nursing home that was that offered free training to become a nursing assistant, which, you know, I thought would be a really good experience to see if nursing was really something that I wanted to do. So, I ended up becoming a nursing assistant, working full-time while still in school part-time. So, right when I was about to, you know, dive into my nursing clinicals, I kind of had a panic moment where I was just like, you know, I'd always, almost always worked full-time. i I would have to drop to very part-time in order to fit clinicals in, you know, I was living at home. So that sounds so silly to say, but I did have a car payment. You know, I just, I needed, I felt like I needed to be making money. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that same time, my sister had, um, she had gone away to school. So she had the, made the leap and she went to um, Rhode Island, uh, sorry, um, Providence. Uh, she mm-hmm. went to Johnson and Wales in, in Providence, Rhode Island. And I went to visit her one weekend and I just loved it. And I was so inspired by her, you know, guts to, to move and to actually leave the nest like I, I had not done yet. And um, I ended up finding an apartment nearby her and I, I moved out. So I was taking a break from school, um, living on my home for the first time, working as a nursing assistant, making nothing and realized that I had to be, you know, make more money to support myself. Mm -hmm. So I had to find a second job. So funny, I don't even know how it happened, but I found a part-time job in the student accounts office at RISD, um, which really changed my life because it really showed me how much I love working in higher ed. So um, I was working in the mornings there, uh, second shift at the nursing home, and I just didn't want to leave when I had to, you know, my shift was over at RISD. I just wanted to stay there and work in the office. I loved the environment. I loved my colleagues. I loved helping students. And um so I ended up getting a, a full time job there in the loan office pretty quickly and went part-time um on So the, you kept the nursing thing. I part. did. I kept that for a little wow. while. So I, you know, when all this happened, I ended up getting married and you know, my life definitely changed. And as things settled down, I um was like, well, I you know, I have to go back to school, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean I like I I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a nurse or if I wanted to pursue higher ed more. So I was toying with going back for nursing or getting a business degree to hopefully, um, you know, move forward in higher ed. So I t- ended up taking a couple nursing classes at CCRI, which is the community college system in mm-hmm. Rhode Island. And I will have to say, I, I you know it obviously didn't affect what i'm doing today but it they were excellent courses and it really gave me a huge appreciation for the community college system mm-hmm. and i'm i'm so grateful that i took that semester to do that so from there we ended up wanting to move and i was applying to jobs all over and ended up getting my job at babson in the student accounts office and so we moved to massachusetts and from there i that's when I finally stopped working in the nursing home and decided that um, I wanted to, to stay with higher ed. So from there, I, you know, I started out in student accounts, but at Babson, it's um, student financial services. So it's financial aid and, and student accounts combined. So from day one, I, I Realized, you know, I want to be on this financial aid side. I want to help people get through this faster than I am. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> that was my goal. But I knew that, you know, in order to be a counselor and beyond, I, I needed to finish my degree. So from there, I finally, um, you know, went back and I enrolled at Northeastern through their College of Professional Studies. So I, you know, kept my my full time job, of course, and enrolled there part time, um, and then. Uh took a couple years, but I finally finished my bachelor's
1: of management in 2011. Got it. Well, congratulations on that. And you were able to say to your mother, see, yes. all was not lost. <laughs> your mom shouldn't have been worried because it's pretty clear to me that you were a hard worker regardless, right? So at least she should have taken. That was a problem
2: though. I was, I always, you know, threw myself into my work no matter what I was doing right. and I wasn't always focused on my um, on education.
1: Well, right, or focused as much maybe as you could have been on, gee, do I really like these things that I'm doing? And then, you know, you sort of, it sounds like anyway, it would dawn on you that, wow, I really like this. But the moment that you want to go from part-time to full-time at RISD is the moment where you, I would imagine, that's when the light bulb goes off and it kind of does, but you still keep the nursing I still job. still like, so. what am I doing with my life? Yeah. But I think what's, what's great to me about this story is that, um, as a parent, I do think sometimes you're like, if this, if your child doesn't go directly to school or if they try it and it's not for them, then the fear is they'll never get their degree and maybe I will have this child in my home for my whole life or um, I worry that their opportunities will be less because they don't have the degree. And the fact is, and we talk about it a lot, there are a lot of alternatives in life to getting your college degree and a lot of different jobs you can get. And in point of fact, you got some interesting jobs without your bachelor's degree, but there did come a point for you anyway, where to do what you really loved doing, you did have to have that bachelor's degree, Um, but you got it too. So I I like that part of the story. I'm curious if um, there was one school in particular whose format and pace worked best for you
2: yeah, absolutely. It was Northeastern for sure because through the College of Professional Studies, they're very fast-paced. So when I was there, it was six-week sessions um, for you know two sessions in a twelve-week term. So I was able to do two six-week sessions, two courses within a six-week session, getting you know four courses done in in a quarter. So I felt like I was making progress. Where I remember back, you know, when I was you know in my 20 in uh, 16 week co- set, uh, courses at Riviere thinking I'm never going to finish this term. I'm never going right. to make it where I, I always joke when I talk to adult learners and I say, you know, for me, this, the short terms worked for me because as soon as I was sick of the course, it was over.
1: It was done. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely.
2: And there's something about, you know, getting the final grade and having that motivation to keep going. Um, so I, I, it, it definitely worked best for me and I was able to do it in a, um, the blended format where I could do some online courses and some um, in-person courses through their uh, Burlington campus that they had at the time.
1: Yeah. And, and that's great. And actually random question, but your degree is from Northeastern. Does, what is your, what is your um, diploma say? It says Northeastern. correct? Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Just one of the reasons why I chose that because, you know, even
2: though I did a lot of online, you know, online was, Definitely looked upon differently at that time than it is today. But right. Um, but yeah, that was one of the reasons I chose. Their
1: program. Yeah, and, but and I think what's great about that is you did it a non-traditional way. But you have a Northeastern diploma, just like someone who's going in, starting out as a freshman right out of high school, has a yep. Northeastern diploma. So absolutely, I think that's interesting. Um, you took a lot of credits before you ended up at Northeastern did a lot of them transfer were was some of that early stuff a little bit of wheel spinning for
2: yeah you? you know it's i think that's probably one of the reasons why i was struggling with quitting on i'm not a quitter first of all is probably one of the reasons why i mm-hmm. um even though obviously i am a quitter if i left schools multiple times but it's not quitting know,
1: that's taking a different direction right right making it better yeah
2: exactly <laughs> so, <laughs> so one of the reasons i you know was hesitant to switch completely was that I thought oh it's a waste you know I've wasted so much time but in fact I actually got every single course that I took um and completed was transferred at least as an elective Uh, which the reason I said I had three technically four majors was that so I had photography and then nursing and then when I first started at Northeastern I was um, planning to do um I think it was finance and accounting management and once all my My credits transferred. I realized I could finish a little bit quicker if I switched to management. So I did that at the last minute to finish like six months early. Um, But yeah, I couldn't believe it. Even the courses that I took, you know, almost ten years earlier, had had transferred
1: as electives. Wow! If you could do it all over differently, um, and if you, at the same time, would be offering advice to a student who maybe was in your shoes, where you don't really want to go to college, but it's what everyone was doing. What would you say to that person, including you back then?
2: Yeah. You know, for a while, I definitely looked back and wished I'd finished earlier and, you know, thought about, you know, was it right to go right away? And, but now, you know, I'm almost 40. I have had time to reflect and it's so hard to say what I would have done differently because each school gave me an experience that brought me to the next place Mm -hmm. and I'm grateful for all of it. Um, but I will say, the I know Michelle Richardson is going to talk about the funding piece, but the, you know, the one thing that stands out as something I would have done differently is that I would have pursued tuition reimbursement more mm-hmm. because at Babson, when I first went back to, to Northeastern, they weren't offering tuition assistance outside of Babson um, for that one year, but then at some point they reinstated it, and I don't know when that happened, but mm-hmm. um, and I didn't find out about it till my last semester. <laughs> so my last semester, <laughs> I got funded by tuition assistance. And I still, it make, makes me cringe to think about like, was it two years before? Was it like, I don't even know. Right. Um, but I didn't look into it. And then I think back, you know, I know that in, in um, the medical field, there's so much tuition reimbursement there. Like right. where the, nurse, the nursing home that I worked at, did they offer it? I don't know. They probably did. Um, so that's one thing that I, I always um, encourage especially um, non-traditional students to look into because many employers will help you.
1: Yeah. And in fact, it's a, a really good point. Um, we, uh, and you mentioned talking to adult learners, there's a another division of our country of our country of our company um, called ed Assist, And in that, in, in some of the work that you do there, you are talking to non-traditional learners who work for companies who offer tuition assistance. Yeah. Um, and in the new year, we're actually going to be doing a segment on this podcast, talking about companies out there where if you work for that company, you can actually go to college and earn your degree, and they will, because of arrangements, they have pay for all of it. Literally, you could go to college for free. while Now, you have to do it while you're working. There are, of course, some caveats, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more, as I mentioned in January. But, um So that's really good advice. And I think also really great to just say, hey, this is, I'm happy with where I wound up. And how would I have gotten here if I hadn't taken all those twists and turns? Exactly. Yeah. Michelle, thanks so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a very short break. And when we come back, we're going to be hearing from another member of our team who's going to talk more about how she paid for it all. So don't go away.
5: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
0: You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We are talking, well, we're sharing some of our team member stories today, and we're focusing on two of our team members who are started as traditional students, wound up as non-traditional students. And we just heard from Michelle Clifton, who ta- shared her story kind of about the twists and turns she took to get to her final degree Um and I'm excited to welcome Michelle Richardson. Coincidentally, they have the same name. If you've named your child Michelle, it's possible they will take a more circuitous path, <laughs> and, but maybe not. Um, and Michelle is gonna share, Michelle is a former bursar at the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine, and also um, worked at, as a VP at Sally May and an assistant VP at Chase Student Loans. Uh, so she has a whole wealth of knowledge around the whole question of how you pay for college, and she's going to tell us her story. So, Michelle, tell me a little bit about that initial journey, right? I know you started college right out of high school. And what happened? Sure, sure.
4: Well, I guess you could say I fell in love. Um, I happens. went to college for, for two years. And I was, I came from a, a small town in Iowa. And I was set on going into retail merchandising and management because I loved clothes and fashion. And uh, I um, was in a great program, but uh, life took a different turn. And I ended up going back to Iowa and getting married. And uh, we had um, our son and daughter um, shortly thereafter. And so um, I was a a mom and working trying to make ends meet
1: and,
4: um, you know, didn't finish my degree.
1: Right. Well, it's tough when you have two little ones at home, right, to go back to living on campus and going to class.
4: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I think there's a lot more resources out there today for families if, if that is the, the scenario. But um, it just didn't work for for me at that time uh, to go back to. Um, So, I was working actually at a local community bank, and I was working with families and helping them complete the FAFSA, Mm -hmm. and was working as a loan secretary. Um, and I saw an ad in the paper for uh, Buena Vista University, and they were offering night classes and had a degree in banking and finance. And I loved banking. Um, I loved the bank I worked at and and like the finance world. Um, retail is tough when you have families and doesn't pay a lot. And you're always working holidays and weekends yes. and, and not, uh, you know, very uh, helpful with a young family. So um, I decided to go back to school. Uh, They accepted my credits from my first two years. So basically I had two years left. Um, I worked full time the entire time and went to class Monday and Thursday nights every week.
1: Got it. So what what is interesting to me, um, it's similar to Michelle Clifton's story is just that it's the job you got to help pay the bills um, and help to raise your family that ended up putting you on a completely different path in terms of your career. So I think that's intriguing, right? One of the challenges with traditional students is oftentimes you go to college, you don't really know what you want to do or you think you do. Can you imagine you spend all that money to get your degree in retail and then you discover Wow, this does not work with my family life. You still would have had a degree, but the one that you ended up getting ends up being much more useful to you, right in your in oh, your long term career.
4: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. it definitely was one of the best decisions you know I've ever made to go back. Um, I knew in order to ever be promoted or to do more, mm-hmm. um, you know, I always was career focused, and so that was just. Um, a, a goal for me. I quite honestly felt um, a little bit like a failure because I didn't have my degree. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, aspired and, and wanted to do that. And um, it was a very, very happy day. My family was there in graduation and uh, and it, it was great and I would not be where I'm at with, without it.
1: Right. So in all of this, obviously this costs money. I know you were working full time, but was that enough? Because you're working full time to support your family. So where'd you find the money to also pay for school?
4: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So when I um, finished my bachelor's degree, we honestly, as a family of four, we're not making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived in the state of Iowa and the school I attended was a private college. So they had an Iowa tuition grant which was $4,000 a year. And at that time, that was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, We also, um, I qualified for the federal Pell Grant um, also. Mm -hmm. And then um, I did take out a small, um, it was the Stafford Loan Program at that time, but it was subsidized and uh, quite honestly, ended up uh, leaving um, school with about $10,000 um, in student loan debt, which uh, you know, was a great return on my investment um, you know, many times over. And I was very fortunate to have the grant funds to help. Um, I quite honestly don't think I would have been able to go without those
1: resources. Got it. So yeah, $10,000 in debt. Obviously, the ideal is no debt, but $10,000 feels not crushing and doable in the long term. To Absolutely. to pay, off, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So then, but ultimately for you, it turned out that getting that bachelor's wasn't enough. You wanted right. to do something more. And so you decided to pursue your MBA. Tell us about that choice and, and paying for that.
4: Sure, sure. So uh, when I was working at the Mayo Clinic. Uh, College of Medicine in in Rochester, uh, Minnesota. Obviously, you know you're working around doctors and individuals who have advanced degrees. Yes. And again, um, I had such a great experience uh, with my undergrad program. I'm like, you know, um, I'm going to look for an MBA program. And and again, in order to be promoted and and to do more within my career, um, and there was um, a. Cardinal Stritch University had a program in Rochester for a lot of Mayo employees. It was um, one night a week. It was always on a Monday. And it was a two and a half year program. Um, And it sounds like a long time, but quite honestly, it went by fast. At times, it didn't seem that way. But um, and, you know, in paying for that that was a little bit different because it was a grad program. So there aren't any grants available for that. Mm -hmm. So I did end up taking out um, a small Stafford loan or, you know, federal loan program for that um, and ended up, uh, and also Mayo had tuition reimbursement, which, you know, definitely helped out as well. So um, I ended up with about 15000 uh, for in, in federal student loan debt for my MBA, Got which it. again, it was a great return on investment.
1: Right, because do you think, I'm not entirely positive of the chronology here, did you go from the Mayo Clinic School of Medicine? To Chase Student Loans to Sally May, right? So, do you get those roles without your MBA?
4: Right, exactly. Great question. So, I, when I was at Mayo, um, and at that time when I was at Mayo, I was working as the Assistant Director of Student Financial Aid. So, um, and then I moved from there to Sally May, where I was promoted to VP. And then uh, from there, I went to Chase and and was assistant vice president. And I, I don't feel I probably would have had those roles had I not gotten my MBA. Got it. Um, you know, and uh, I was the first one in my family to get an advanced degree. And um, my, my dad always said, an education is something you can never take away from anyone. So I was very fortunate. I had a lot of support to help with. With the kids and Mm -hmm. and obviously they sacrificed because I was, you know, uh, writing papers on the weekends and we didn't get to do, you know, um, all that fun stuff all the time. But, um, you know, they, uh, I think, got to see the value of an education and, uh, you know, they're both college graduates now, which, you know, I'm very proud of. Um, and my daughter's considering a, a grad degree at, at the, um, you know, current time. But um, you know, it was well worth the the investment and and
1: the time. Well, and they got to see the value of education. They also got to see how hard you worked to get it. And I think that probably makes it, shows how really valuable it. Right? So it's valuable, but look how valuable it is. I'm going to forgo, You guys are out having fun, and I'm going to stay in and work and. No, that does. That says something important, I think, to your kids.
4: Right. And I think it motivated them to get done right out of high school. Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
4: But they definitely reap the benefits, you know, of me going back to school for both my bachelor's and and the MBA.
1: Yeah. And so looking back. Would you do anything differently about how you paid for it all? It sounds like you t- made smart choices, but maybe you're feeling like, oh, I missed an opportunity along the way.
4: Um, I think, you know, for my undergrad, um, you know, I don't, I think I skimped as much as I really could. Um, mm-hmm. For my grad program, um, I probably could have maybe not borrowed quite as much. Um, not that 15000 is a lot for a, a master's degree, but, you know, it's never fun paying back uh, student loans regardless of where you're at in life, mm-hmm. um, you know, so um, it's always more fun to have a car payment, right? Right,
1: because you're driving you're, the car.
4: Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> the, the education payment, you're like either you're writing papers, so <laughs> right. you know it's a double whammy, or you have the degree, but that's not something you're you've got bright and shiny that you're really showing everyone all the time, right? Right, yeah, right. And funny.
4: I think you know, because we had tuition reimbursement, you know, you pay for that up front and then you get the money. I think it can be easy, too easy sometimes to Take that money yes. and not put it towards the student loan. Right. Um, you know, and I'm guilty of that. I probably could have done that, you know, um, a little bit more than what I did. But, you know, we all make choices and um, learn from them. But yep.
1: <laughs> Well, with that in mind, what advice would you give to people who are listening and who are either thinking about returning to school as adults or maybe... They have students who aren't really ready to go off to college and maybe they want to work. And so your thoughts and advice on on how to pay for all of it and, and things that you would suggest they do.
4: Sure. Um, you know, for, for the adults that, you know, maybe are not happy where they're at or maybe with their initial um, degree choice or and they're thinking about going back, I definitely would encourage them to pursue it. Uh, check with your employer. A lot of employers today have tuition reimbursement or maybe student loan repayment programs. Um, as an adult with, with children, you may qualify for grants like I did that you wouldn't know uh, mm-hmm. are available. And, um, and there are also, you know, um, scholarships out there. I never pursued that just because, quite honestly, I didn't have the time. Um, but you know, that is something also to to consider. And you know, um, if you do decide to go back to school, you know, give yourself a break and and um, you know, set small goals. I one thing I did to keep somewhat sane is every Friday night was a night where. I didn't cook and I didn't work and I didn't do homework. And mm. so, you know, you kind of look forward to that, you know, one night. Um, but it definitely is, is worth pursuing. There's a lot of resources out there. And, you know, for those parents that maybe have those students that don't know yet what they want to do, I think that's okay. I've seen so many Um, you know, friends and families and and just in working with families, you know, over the 20 plus years and and paying for college and financial aid and being the bursar, that they all maybe think early on what they want to do. And then, you know, I would highly recommend working in that field while they're in college. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I did, because once I was working in retail, it was great when I was a college student. You know, I had access to great clothes and, you know, it was a fun job, but not so fun when you're married and trying to raise a family and, you know, you have to look the part and you're not making a lot and, and you're realizing, Ooh, these hours are, are not the way I want to spend the rest of my life. Right. Right. So, um, you know, I think it's okay for young adults to not know exactly where they want to go. And, you know, to be patient, work on their general education courses early on. And and if they think they, you know, want uh, have a career path, do an internship or job shadow and and try to, you know, see some of those
1: opportunities in the field. Yeah, absolutely. Michelle, great advice. And thank you so much for sharing your personal story with all of us. I really appreciate it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It was certainly my pleasure. Good to see you, Ben.
1: You too. All right. We're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, we are talking about New Year's resolutions. Um, So don't go away.
0: You are listening to Getting In, A College Coach Conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on Getting In, A College Coach Conversation. It's New Year's Eve, and we are talking New Year's resolutions. Joining me is a former Barnard admissions officer, also worked at Fordham and Montclair State, and happens to be my colleague now, Tova Tolman. Hi, Tova. Hi, Beth. How are you? I am well. It's good to be here today. Uh, Absolutely. And as I explained to our listeners up front, we are celebrating New Year's Eve, but it's actually December 15th. So no, we are not working on New Year's Eve. (laughs) Um, And you may not be watching this on New Year's Eve, but all right, let's get to it. Um, We have some goals that we would like to suggest, some new year's resolutions we would like to suggest to some different uh, groups of students and parents. Um, But before we get into our ideas for resolutions to consider, um, one suggestion was, do we want to establish these as SMART goals? And I think before we start in on the resolutions themselves, tell us what a SMART goal is and how that works. Uh, I think the first time I heard the term,
5: I obviously thought it was, is it a good goal? <laughs> is, it, right. is it clever? <laughs> is it smart? And then I realized, oh, no, it's an acronym for, is it S-M-A-R-T? Uh, so not is it just smart, but the S is specific. Uh, what is the actual outcome that you would like? M is measurable. How are you going to know when you've actually reached this goal? A is attainable. How confident are you that this is actually something you're capable of doing? R is relevant. Uh, mm-hmm. Is this actually meaningful to you right now? Is this an important, relevant goal for you today? And timed. And this one I think is key specifically uh, for what gets in the way of a lot of people completing resolutions and goals is, what is the goal for actually completing a said uh, resolution? Right. When, when is your
1: end point? Yes, okay, awesome. So we're not gonna put all of these into the SMART goal framework, but I think that's really interesting way to think about these um, if you're gonna make resolutions yourself. All right, the first group we wanna address out there are all of our seniors. You are sitting around, you have presumably submitted applications or you're finishing up with submitting your application. What's a piece of advice you have for that group for resolutions? And I think for this one, I like to
5: keep it more personal than necessarily college-related because this is a group of people who are getting ready to end their four-year high school journey. And I want them to take a minute and think back to the beginning of freshman year. What's something they knew for sure as as a, a complete truth they were going to accomplish in high school or they were going to do, whether it was a life experience or something that they wanted to try And if they're going to be really honest with themselves, looking back, they never did it because Mm -hmm. maybe they were too scared or they just never made it a priority. Think of something that you wanted to do in high school that you haven't done yet and be unafraid. Make it happen before you graduate. I love it. I feel like there are movies made about this, right? Pretty much,
1: yeah. (laughs) The book club was a good one recently. Yes, exactly. So... Right. Figure that out. I love that advice. I think it's great because mine is very boring, but I would as a senior in De- on December 31st of your senior year, I need you all to resolve that you will not suffer from senior slump. Um, you do not want to be adding an extra layer of stress onto your life by not doing well in classes that you have been doing fine in. And now all of a sudden. You were an A, B student, and now you're a C student or possibly worse. And now you have to worry, is my offer going to get rescinded? Um, If I haven't heard from my schools, are my third quarter grades going to take me from being an admit to a deny? Don't do it. Just keep. You have worked so hard for so long. Now is not the time to stop. All right. You say that's boring, but I feel like that's a pretty important one. It's important. It's just not very exciting. (laughs) No one's making a movie about avoiding your senior slump. Let's put it that way. All right. How about juniors?
5: What do you got for us there? All right. Well, juniors right now are probably diving into the search, right? Putting together some tools. So here's a very practical, tangible one. Very easy to turn into a smart goal. I want every junior to identify three things You want your future college to have. I don't care what they are, as long as they are three things that you know you care about. Maybe it's that they have green quads. Maybe that there are eight Starbucks on campus, Uh, that there is a 3D printer in every basement of every residence hall that you could possibly step into. Whatever it is, find three things you care about that your future college must have. Yes. I love that
1: because it, there's never a bigger struggle than um, when a student's trying to figure out their college list and either they say, I don't care what a college has. I'm open to everything or I have no idea what I want and therefore I, none of these seem exciting to me. And it's because you haven't really done the internal work to be thoughtful about what do you want out of a college. Really good advice. Mine is to, if you do have some schools that you already know that you really like, Um, get on their mailing list and start opening emails and clicking links. We have talked about this on the show many times. I probably can't repeat it enough. There is, you are creating a digital footprint with many, many, many colleges that are out there. They are going to be paying attention to your interaction with them. And having interaction with them can be a difference maker when it comes time to who they're going to admit and who is not going to make the cut. So, you know, and then as you add schools, get on their mailing lists. Um, so start to to create that relationship. Can we add in that they need to do it with the same email address that they're yes. going to be using from here forward? And, yes, I, that one. and so, I know we've said that one on the show before too, but I just can't re that one enough time. No, and it's true. And if your email address is something uh, silly, like I score a lot at gmail.com, mm-hmm. you need to change it. And, you that's know, it's I'm sort sure. of, that's inappropriate, right? Uh, it is inappropriate. And we know somebody who had that as an email address. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had my son create an email address. He had a silly one from when he was a kid. He has a Gmail address that he uses for everything that is college related. And it is his name. And is, you know, and one and a number. And there is nothing objectionable about it. And he uses it for everything college related. I think that is really good advice. All right, what about sophomores? What should they be doing now? Well, they're still hopefully
5: keeping their eye on high school and, and focused on high school. And we're not here to tell sophomores to start worrying about college. But thinking about enhancing that high school experience, I want you to think about your relationships with your teachers. Is there still a teacher at this point, halfway through junior year, or sophomore year, that you have not had a one-on-one conversation with? I don't care if it's on Zoom or Google Classroom or another sort of virtual experience. If there's a teacher you still haven't spoken to one-on-one, schedule a time. They would love to chat with you. They would mm-hmm. love a student to be more engaged. Yes. And uh, it, it can be done virtually. This doesn't have to be done in person. Uh, There are all kinds of reasons why this is only going to help you moving down the road. It's going to help you engage more with the content of the course. It's going to help you practice just getting to know your teachers, thinking about college down the road. At the end of junior year, we're going to ask you to find two teachers to write letters of recommendation for you. If you have no relationship with your teachers, that's a hard ask. Start practicing now. Find a teacher you've yet to speak to and
1: schedule some one-on-one time. Yes, I love that advice. I think it's really great. Um, mine is to start thinking about an interesting summer. What, is, what do you want to do this summer? And by interesting summer, I don't mean necessarily that you have to pay a lot of money to do a program on a college campus or to travel. Um, it's whatever you think would be interesting to do during the summer, assuming that an interesting, interesting summer for you is not sitting in your basement playing video games or if we're able to going to the pool or the beach with your friends, right? So, You know, I know we're all hoping for that. However, if you have that opportunity, there's going to be more expected of you as well. So, you know, what does that look like? Do you want to get a job? Is there a place where you see teenagers working every summer and think to yourself, wow, that looks like it would be a lot of fun and I would get paid? Is there um, some research that you were interested in doing and do you want to go and see if you can find an opportunity to have a mentor to mentor you in that research? Do you want to, I don't know, read 100 books and keep track of it and start a blog where you t- you write about all the books that you're reading and make recommendations to people? I don't really know what it looks like because I don't know you, but if you start thinking about an interesting summer and have a plan A, a plan B and a plan C so that if one plan doesn't work out, you have others in the wings. I think you will be much more likely to have an interesting summer than if in May of your sophomore year, you sort of say, oh, I, you know, I guess I should start thinking about my summer, right? Absolutely. December 31st, now's the time to think about it. I love it. All right, freshmen, you're, you're halfway through your first year of high school. Hmm. what's your, what, what resolution would you hope that every freshman would adhere to? I have to? a really simple one.
5: Uh, I don't know if it's, it's, you You said boring when it was simple. I don't feel like this is boring. It could be really fun. Try something new. Anything. Yeah. Something new. Please, I beg of you. It can be <laughs> academically, it can be socially, it can be a, a personal, uh, self-goal, a uh, new club, uh, talking to someone that scares you, a new activity, uh, try something
1: new. I love it. I don't think that's boring at all. Again, mine was boring because all I was doing is saying, <laughs> keep doing well in school. Like, yay, that's a snooze. Um, and Important. on the same sort of theme for me, my resolution for freshmen is do as well as you possibly can. Um, I There are The UC system is not looking at your ninth grade grades, but for the most part, colleges are looking at your ninth grade grades. It's where you set yourself up for future success, both in high school and then in terms of the opportunities that will be available to you when far in the future you are applying to college. Side note, it's not so far in the future, but also, you know, if you don't put in the time and do as well as you can. That might mean that even though you're in regular level English this year, because there was no honors level English, if you don't do well, then you're not going to qualify to go into honors English. So if that was your favorite course and you kind of didn't give it your all in freshman year, well, now you're in regular level English when you could have been in honors and you're not reading the same books and it's not as interesting, right? So you are going to, um, decrease your opportunities as you don't do as well as you can, right? So you shouldn't stress if you're not a straight A student. That's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is putting in your best effort, turning in all of your assignments, not leaving everything to the last minute. So it's putting in the effort that should get you the best results. I don't think that one's boring either, right? High school all builds on it. It's all,
5: yes, it's cumulative, but it's, uh, I, I, I think that, we as college admission officers always looked at the four year progress, you know, how do they build upon it? Where do they begin and where do they end and how do they get from point A to point B?
1: So I don't think that's so boring in the larger scheme of things. Right. I think the challenge when you're a freshman is just, Understanding. I, I think a lot of students have a very limited understanding of how what they do at 1 p.m. can impact their life at 3 p.m., let alone how what over you can do later. over a year can yeah. impact your options in three years. I mean, give me a break. Most adults can't think that far in advance. So it's asking a lot. But if you think about it, right, at least that maybe gets you at least aware that this can be impactful for you. All right. Um, last round of resolutions. And for this one, we're targeting parents. Um, so what is your, what is something you would love for parents to resolve to do in 2021?
5: I'm going to go with remember where you parked when you go to the grocery. Wait, no, that's my <laughs> resolution for this year. That's yours. I'm going to do it. This is going to be the year that I remember where I parked when I go to the grocery <laughs> store. Um, okay, parents of high school students though. I want to ask them to pay No mind to the Joneses. I think parents can be so wrapped up in what is a good school. And I just used air quotes for those of you who are listening as opposed to watching. What is a good school versus what is a good school for my student? Yes. And thinking that. Uh, you know how quick we are to celebrate. Oh, so and so got into this school, and so and so got into that school. Let's remember to be supportive of all schools because other schools might be awesome and better and better suited for this student and that student. So let's celebrate all of them. And for your student, please pay no mind to what your nephew is doing, what your hairdressers. Uh, little brother's cousin is doing mm-hmm. and focus on
1: what is going to be the best school for your student. Right. And the other thing I would just throw out there to add to that is where kids are applying has no, ah. nothing at all to do with where they will be competitive or where they're getting in. So just FYI on that front. Um, I love that advice. I think it's really important um you know, it, this is not the piece of advice I had singled out about just kind of shutting your ears to everything going on around you. But if you can do that, I guarantee you will be in a much better place. You won't get a lot of rumors and innuendo that sounds like it could be true, but in fact is not. We spend, I would say, 50 to 70% of our time dispelling those myths that make the parent grapevine uh, vine and, and really feel like they should be true. Um, so the more you can kind of pay attention to what's happening in your family versus the out, very quickly with mine, uh, there is no better start to this process that will yield the best possible outcome than being honest with yourself and taking a step back and saying, I love my child and I only see their good qualities, or my child drives me nuts, and I can only see what they're doing that's wrong, and take an honest look at your child. What are their weaknesses? What are their strengths? And supporting the strengths and helping them to shore up the weaknesses and recognizing that um, you don't need your child to get straight A's to go to college, um, they don't need to go to an Ivy to go to college, and most students are not going to do, go there, but if you put too much pressure on them and it's not their own personal desire, it, it leads to a lot of angst and unhappiness and actually could lead to, um, to the student not doing as well as they could do and harm their chances at other schools. So being realistic about the child you have. Um, I steal that from a colleague of ours um, who says that frequently. But I think it's really, really good advice. And if you can resolve to do that, it's great. Tova, thanks so much for being here today. My pleasure, Beth. This was fun, as always. Thank you. And next week, Ian is going to be hosting, and um, we're going to be talking about your applications are in, what now, both from an admissions perspective and a finance perspective, Um, and we're also going to be offering advice for getting started if you're a junior. Um, And don't forget, we are here every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. (laughs) Have a nice new year, everybody.